I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm Effie Parks, your host. So I'm working on a project, and I need your help. This is evergreen, so whenever you're listening to this, whether it's live March 2023 or if we're in the future to 2024, umbrella diagnoses such as cerebral palsy, autism, epilepsy. A lot of the times those families get left behind and they don't necessarily get the education or the opportunity to know that there's most likely an underlying genetic variant cause of the symptoms. What I'm working on is gathering some testimonials from families and patients like you who listen to this show. If you were given an umbrella diagnosis like cerebral palsy and then later pursued genetic testing and found a variant such as CTNNB1, I would really like to hear from you. Have a little testimonial about that odyssey and the impact it has on your family to have that actual diagnosis. Can you please email me at hello at onceuponagene.com or just go to my website in the contact sheet and please get a hold of me. So today I'm talking with the founder of Rare Patient Voice. Hot topic is a lot of patients feel like they're being used for their information and they have to go out of their way. They're sick. Their kids are sick. It takes a lot of energy to not only show up to something, but to talk about it. So the rare patient voice connects families and caregivers of rare and non-rare diseases with opportunities to share their stories, their opinions with companies and researchers by participating in all types of studies. These include surveys, phone interviews, bulletin boards, focus groups, clinical trials, and more. So please check it out. They also have a referral program they'll talk about in the episode. It's a way for you to be an active advocate, but also get compensated for your time. Please enjoy my conversation with Wes Michael. Hello, Wes. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Effie. It's great to be here. Good. I'm so glad to talk to you. This whole idea of patients and caregivers getting paid is a hot topic right now. So I'm glad to kind of dig in and, and get your perspective on it. Sure. Yeah. Can you tell our friends listening a little about what you do? Okay. So I started this company. It's called Rare Patient Voice. It's almost 10 years ago now. We're very excited. Next, 2023 will be the 10th anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So what we do is we invite patients and caregivers to take part in studies. Typically, it's a phone interview or nowadays it's a Zoom interview, right? Or an online survey or an online focus group, that kind of a, uh, opinion research. And uh, we invite folks to do that for our clients who typically are working in behalf of pharma companies or device companies or academics, that, that, you know, people that, that really want to know what patients are thinking. And they get compensated for it. It has been at the rate of $100 per hour. We're very excited going into 2023. We're raising that. 
right? There's been inflation. It's going up to $120 an hour. So good, good for everybody. That's awesome. So rare patient voice is kind of like a middleman in that you collect the data and the stories from patients and then you provide it to whomever, researchers, clinical trial specialists, things like that. You're right. We go out to patient events and walks and conferences and fundraisers and meet with patients and invite them to join. And if they're interested, they sign up. And then when we get a request that matches their condition or disease or category, then we'll send them an email. So we're the one that, you know, we have these folks that are interested and then people come to us and say, boy, do you happen to have hemophilia patients or lupus patients or fiber, whatever it might be. And we'll say, well, we'll ask the ones that have joined up, joined. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're ma- matchmaker. We're the matchmaker. You're the matchmaker. I like that term. What inspired you to do this, Wes? Is there some reason that you specifically chose rare disease? Was it always rare disease in the beginning or was it just patient stories and stuff in general? My background was not in healthcare. I was involved in market research for Wheaties and Cheerios (laughs) and and things like that. Um, They're not rare at all, right? But then I moved into the healthcare uh, field almost 30 some years ago now, I guess. And it was very exciting because companies there were just learning to talk to patients. They were used to talking to physicians, right? Well, the physician prescribes it. That's all we need. They started doing those ads on TV for drugs that went right to the patients. And so companies said, we need to listen to patients. So I got involved in doing research where companies wanted to listen to to what patients had to say. The the germ of this idea was interesting. We were contacted by a company that was in the rare disease space. They worked in hemophilia. And they said, look, um, there's very few of these people, but they're very important to us. We'd love to talk to them through surveys and interviews throughout the year, just to really learn learn what they what they're thinking, what they think about our product, what they want to see in new products, everything that you know a company really should want to know about their their consumers. They said, "Can you build us a panel? We call the term a panel. It's like a community of folks with hemophilia, and then we'll do surveys and interviews throughout the year." So we went to the National Hemophilia Foundation, which was the big you know the big organization, and and had a booth and set up our table and we're able to talk to people and say, hey, if you'd like to sign up, please sign up. It was pre-internet. It was paper and pencil, but it worked. People were very interested in sharing their opinions. They signed up. We would send out, again, in those days, it wasn't even an internet survey. They would get surveys in the mail, they get phone interviews, that kind of a thing. But it worked really well. And that would have been it, except we'd go back every year to the Hemophilia Foundation uh, conference. And a couple of years later, somebody came up to me from a different company that also worked in hemophilia. And they said... I hear you have this, you know, patient panel. Can we access it? And I said, well, no, because, you know, it was paid for by client A. We can't let client B or C use it. And we never give out any names or anything. It's us, you know, reaching out ourselves to folks and getting the answers to questions. But anyway, we said no. But it got me thinking, why not create a group of people that could be invited to studies for all sorts of companies and all sorts of different conditions and diseases? And uh, so that was the idea. And I didn't do anything about it for years because I was busy working. <laughs> I was busy working with that company. But then, so 10 years ago now, I, I for various reasons, uh, the company I was working for was a very good company, but it ran short on cash. And my, my boss said, hey, how about we don't pay you for a few months and we'll see how things turn out in a few months and we'll do this and we'll do that. And that was nice. But I thought, well, I'm not getting paid. Maybe, maybe I'd rather do this idea that I had for many years, right? And it's all about healthcare. At the time, my wife had not been working. She'd been raising her kids. And she was eager to, they were like 11 or 12 at the time. She was eager to get back in the workforce. And guess what? A job dropped into her lap with healthcare that she was interested in. And it was like perfect timing. You do that. I'll start this. And uh, thank God, every, everything, everything worked out. 
And again, I, and guess what I started with? Hemophilia. <laughs> I had done it before, right? I knew it worked. I didn't know if we would do anything ever beyond hemophilia. I just knew, hey, that'll work. Let me go to the hemophilia conference. Now we have represent 750 plus diseases. The good news is the demands there. Companies really want to hear what patients and their caregivers have to say. And we get requests all the time and and it's get grown and and, and we pay patients over $9 million so for taking part. So it's really been a, a win-win. So it, it obviously can't just be about money, right? Like patients, patients don't want to just make a hundred bucks an hour and you do this. And then ultimately, you know, the pharma company or whomever gets what they want in the end. How do you position this with patients to make this feel like more of a personal experience rather than so transactional? Because I mean, talking about their disease and their day to day, it's, it's hard to do and it's taxing and it's also really personal. So how do you build that relationship in and going beyond just getting paid to tell your story? That's a great point. You know, it's funny when we we ask our patients, hey, why do you do this? How can we make it better for you? Nobody leads with it's about the money because you're right. That's kind of an add on, an addition, a nice to have, but it's never the first thing that people say or feel. The first thing is people are so excited that somebody cares. I always say nobody's going to do a survey for fun. These companies are paying. It's only when they're working on it. It's a new treatment, a new service, something new. It might help a little bit. It might help a lot, but at least somebody's trying to do something. So people are like, oh my God, I, if I can help, if it doesn't help me, if it helps people coming behind me, I feel, I feel like I'm doing something. You know, you meet so many wonderful people that are so engaged in advocacy and helping folks and raising funds. And, and some people have more ability to do that than others or more time. But some, many just, they want to help in every way they can. And if this is one way of helping, hey, I'll give an hour here, I'll give a half hour there. The people that do the interviews are such, they're empathetic and knowledgeable. They just want to hear what your story is. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely resonate with the fact of like seeing what can become of someone when they tell their story, right? Like sometimes it's the first time someone listened. Sometimes it heals them every little bit, right? And then it empowers them to figure out maybe what kind of advocacy they want to pursue. Well, and you see that on your podcast, right? Your people get a chance to, 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 to do that. And it is, there's something about that, right? Something about telling people's story that it, it kind of validates them, right? And their experience and, and what they're going through and makes it real. You know what people find, right? It's not just them, right? The other people, that's what's so great about some of these organizations, you find other people are going through the same thing. You've been through it. If you're a few years ahead of them, you can let them know, kind of guide their path, or they can let you know things that they've run into. It's It feels so good not to, to not feel alone. You may be the only one in your town or city with, with one of these conditions, but there are other people around the country, around the world. Are there other opportunities that Rare Patient Voice provides beyond a patient or a caregiver getting the email and then participating in a survey or a quick interview? Does it go beyond that? Yeah. In the, in the past year, we've started going actually to uh, make people aware of and invite them to, to, to get more information about clinical trials. So at first I said, it's it, not about blood because we just want your opinion. But so many people say, I'm interested in research. So companies will come to us and say, I have a clinical trial for such and such a group. Now, we would never tell somebody you know, to take part in one. They have to investigate it. They have to talk to their doctor. But we let, let people know about them. Sometimes it, it works out that, that somebody qualifies and is interested. So that's kind of a new area for us. It wasn't my background or experience, but it's like, hey, we have people and they're interested. Uh, for us, it's the same process. We can send them an email about a clinical trial just as we could about a Zoom a Zoom interview. So that's pretty exciting. 
Yeah, no, that's really exciting, especially since clinicaltrials.gov is almost impossible to navigate or look at without cringing. It's funny you say that because the idea is so good. Yeah, if you ever click on anything, it's like either there's so many things or you're not quite in the right place. It's, yeah, it's a shame. So anything we can do to, to help raise the awareness among folks is just one, you know, we're just one, one group doing this, but anything we can do to get people aware because that's the biggest problem with clinical trials is finding, finding folks that are interested in it. And so if we can get the word out, that's good. The other thing that, that, that we've done, it's, it's, it's more the same, but we used to just work in the US. And then so many of our clients and so many of the advocacy groups we work with, they may be based in the US, but you know, the web, World Wide Web, right? It goes around the world. And so the people all around the world are interested in taking part. And our clients said, can you please, we love all, the, all your folks. Can you have them in other countries? So we've branched out to others, especially including some of the big countries in Europe. Well, yeah, that's super exciting. Because, you know, you have to handle different languages. You know, there's as many people in Europe as there are in the U.S. So give them a chance to. Especially embarking on the clinical trial stuff. You know, you, it's imperative that you get a more diverse group right. than what you have. Oh, yeah. There's one area in clinical trials that I'm especially excited about is more and more often they're able to do it decentralized. So they may not have to go into, like here I'm, I'm in Baltimore, to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, or maybe they can go in once, but they don't have to go in every month and fly and bring their kids. And that, that, that there's ways that they can do it from uh, from their own house and their own location. So all of a sudden, people in, in Montana, right, can take part, whereas before it's only people in Chicago and Baltimore and New York. Do you help guide the patients and caregivers from the beginning on like helping them to tell their story or craft their story? Or is it pretty cut and dry and simple of them just answering pretty direct questions? We don't. That's an interesting idea. Typically, what we do is is our clients will be the moderators. They'll, they'll prep people or give them sometimes what we call a comfort call to make sure they're comfortable. I'll make sure there's not, they're not worried about anything that because people will ask me, well, how do I prepare for an interview? And we say, just bring your opinions. You know, you don't need to, they want to know what's on your mind. You don't have to do any special studying or research. They'd rather just have, you know, you bring what's, what's on your mind and what's, what's top of mind. So we'll tell people that really just to get them comfortable. And then a lot of times the clients are very good about getting people relaxed and, you know, ready to, to share their thoughts. Be honest, right? The key is to be honest. You don't have to impress anybody. They want to know the truth. Yeah. You're the one showing up as the expertise. So just be yourself. I see a lot in the adult patient population, too, that the, it's just been decades sometimes of being gaslit, right, in different kinds of scenes, whether it be at the doctor or wherever. And so I can fully understand why there might be some anxiety or nervousness surrounding doing that, because it might be the first time that they're actually getting their point across. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny. We did um, we do surveys ourselves from time to time that we do put out on webinars and podcasts cast, things like that. And um, we asked people about their experience uh, dealing with physicians and getting diagnosed. And it was amazing how many people felt, especially the more rare the disease is, the more difficult it is to be diagnosed. People are misdiagnosed. They go from one misdiagnosis to another, and it can take six, seven years or more before people get a, a good diagnosis. And so many people felt their physicians were not listening or that they were being kind of dismissed. And a lot of times people felt, A, if they're female, they felt more likely to feel that. If they were obese, they felt that that was always given as an excuse. If they were a minority or, you know, ethnic racial minority, they felt that they were being dismissed more often. So 
So many people have that feeling. And again, especially with a rare disease, they, they have the facts to back them up that they've gone so long and nobody's figured it out. And then when it's finally figured out, so many times they say, oh, if this doctor had only listened to me when I said this, or I have talked to this other doctor and they could have put two and two together, you know, it's always obvious after the fact. If you've gone through that over the years, I can imagine how you feel. It's like one more person talking. I hope they listen this time. I'd love to know a personal story or some feedback from some of the patients or caregivers who've participated in sharing their story on Rare Patient Voice. Yeah, we do hear it from folks who, again, it says that really got me thinking. I hadn't really thought of some of the questions that they were asked. It forced them to get a little bit more introspective about what they want to do and what they should be asking about. And, and, and I love to hear that, too. Tell our listeners where they can find Rare Patient Voice, what the process is for signing up, and maybe perhaps another reason why they should feel compelled to do this. Sure. So just re- remember the words Rare Patient Voice. So if you Google it, it'll go right there, but it's rarepatientvoice.com. And we like to put all the information we can think of on our website. So everything's there. You can click and read and learn. But we also put phone numbers and emails because we love it when people have questions and want to ask more about it because you shouldn't just blindly go into these things. You should make sure you're comfortable with it. So rarepatientvoice.com, there's a thing in there about signing up so people can click on that and it'll ask for their specific information, which again, of course, is kept confidential. And then they'll they'll get a, a an email that lets them know that it's on. It's like double opt-in process to make sure that they want to do it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, a, it's as simple as that. And there's also little videos on there that explain the process of how, you know, how you sign up, how you get invited to studies, how you get paid. Because um, we, again, we want people to have all that information. So we're always happy when people uh, contact us and say, I need, to, I need to know a little bit more about this. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining me today, Wes. Is there anything that I didn't ask you today that I probably should have that our listeners should know? One thing I was reminded of, we just did a, a brief study with, with several thousand patients uh, that are in our group about clinical trials and what could make them better for people. And we did a couple of what they call flash webinars, really short, 15 minutes, if you can believe it, webinars that where we go into some of that and we do it with some patients and caregivers on a panel to discuss their take on what some of the findings of our survey was. So we'll have that by the time this is on, that'll be up on our website and uh, we can give you that information too. So people can have a link to see recordings of that, of that webinar. Because we're, you know, we always love to get this information out where people can use it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll include all of that in the show notes. So you can just head to that after you're finished listening to this episode. Ah, perfect. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Wes. And good job over at Rare Patient Voice. I know patients need to understand that they're the expert in their diseases. Their experience is valid. Their experience is data and it is theirs. And if they so choose, they should be getting paid to share their perspective. Well, thanks for all that you do, Effie. That's it's great. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Wes. Thank you so much. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Ha, 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 ha,